Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in the Bear Cave, and welcome to my co-host, Michelle Roselle. That's right, I said co-host. More about that in just a second. This week, we are sponsored by Abode Real Estate, your professional real estate advisors in Colorado Springs and Taylor County, and Animus Wellbeing, a holistic approach to helping people achieve a more mindful and healthier way of life. Well, we're hoping that you had a good week so far, and thanks for joining us this week. And uh, first of all, I want to make kind of an announcement breaking news in the bear cave and that is is that uh michelle is joining the bear cave team as a co-host so uh welcome i hope you don't regret your decision at some point i don't think i will i think we're going to do just fine yeah you can always back out though exactly no there's a door right there (laughs) and it's not locked (laughs) (laughs) that's right but uh hey i'm thrilled and i think we're more than happy to have you and uh yeah we're looking at some uh good times and maybe even discuss some actual issues that's true. Yes. No, I'm looking forward to it. This is totally new for me. And so a new experience, a new adventure. Well, I can say it's it's, uh, it's better than having a couple of stinky dudes in here. It's like, you know, your class has joined up a little bit. So that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I think it's a good thing. I mean, it seems like it's uh, we've had some positive feedback from from listeners and, and uh, we actually had some hate mail. So that's good. That means that somebody's actually listening. That's a fact. You're right. You can't hate something you haven't listened to. Yeah. Well, well, well yeah, you can. I guess you Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there's plenty of that. Uh, uh, these days, all you have to do is have a you know social media page, and you know people will just want to freak out. That is so true. Anyway, again, we lost uh, we lost some people, some notable people this week. Meatloaf, one of them. Yeah, that was that's rough. Yeah, he was an extremely talented guy. I wasn't really into his music. I mean, I, I appreciated the. I just wasn't into the whole rock and roll opera, but uh, I did see him as an actor, and he was a. Uh, yeah, he was just a, a, a talented guy. He really was, really was. I, I think he was like 74 or something like that, but uh, apparently he died from the Rona. Of course. Is, is what they what they're saying. And then uh, really the one that kind of surprised me the next day was Louis Anderson. Mm-hmm. I remember watching him when he first became a comedian. He was, yeah, he was funny as hell, that guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. He had blood cancer and uh, I think he was 68 years old. Everybody's so young, it seems. But of course, he also tested for. Of course. Yeah. COVID. <laughs> the last person uh, I want to talk about a little bit is a Buddhist monk by the name of Thich Nhat Hanh, who was a anti-war activist back in the 60s along with uh, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. He was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize, but never, never got it. And he was, uh, he was also really instrumental in uh, the Paris Peace Accords back in the uh, early 70s. And uh, he passed away. He was 95 years old. But uh, I consider him one of my teachers. I've read a lot of his books. Plum Village was uh, one of the Buddhist communities that he had in France. He was exiled out of Vietnam. But um, people may not know him, but uh, I would say you can read his quotes and his books and things like that. But, you know, the world is, uh, is a little bit lonelier without those three people in it. Anyway, we got some, uh, some pushback because I, I made a post last week that said, defeat the mandates. Boy, it was, it was like, you're an anti-vaxxer, you're this, you're that. So let me just say this before we get into this, because I want to talk about the defeat the mandates rally a little bit. We both kind of watched it. But I kind of want to say this. If you haven't listened to the show, I encourage you to listen to it. Then you can send me your hate mail. But these are my opinions. This is this is stuff that's coming out of my pie hole. You know, I'm not speaking for Michelle. I'm not speaking for Trevor. I'm not speaking for anybody else. So leave them the hell alone, you know? <laughs> so look, I should put the disclaimer in there. The opinions expressed on this show are mine and mine alone and not part of this network or, or whatever it's going to be. Right. It's just like, it's, it's amazing to me. So everything that we're kind of going through right now, people are really passionate about it. Good or bad. I, I don't care. Again, I, uh, I don't care if you're vaxxed. I don't care if you're unvaxxed. It is a personal choice that you have to make. I'm not here sitting in judgment and saying that uh, you have to get this or, or that. Yeah, pleasant surprise. I have a new doctor who also didn't push that on me. That is a pleasant surprise. Yeah, because uh, the uh, Nuremberg Code, it talks about you know experiments on, on human beings and stuff like that. And in my opinion, that's what we're going through. We're going through a worldwide experiment. Right, right. And, and, and they're still working on it. There's always something new. So it is an experiment. If it's, it's, it's not like we know if you, if you're vaccinated against polio, it's going to work. Right. This is still like, oh, that didn't work. 
<laughs> well, in Israel, for example, I read a story today and uh, they're on their fourth stab and the rates of COVID, which I don't know, whichever, whichever one it is today, whether it's Omicron or the new, what was it? B2 or something like that right? That just uh, was discovered today uh, or yesterday, whatever it was. Their rates are as high or higher than most countries. People say, well, you got to listen to the science. That's, that's the uh, party line. Listen to the science. Right. Well, I am. I listened to a bunch of scientists and, uh, you know, I, uh, I checked out the defeat the mandates rally. And there were, you know, it depends on who you talk to. There were somewhere between 10 and it said 10 and 30,000. To me, it looked like 10,000 for sure. Right. Because, uh, you know, the front of the Lincoln Memorial was just packed full of people. And then, um, you know, down the sides of the reflecting pool, there was, you know, there was, there was a lot of people that were there. But uh, nevertheless, it, it went off. And, and for me, the usual suspects were there. Dr. Malone, Dr. McCullough, uh, several scientists, several speakers were there. And uh, for me, it was a little bit uberly religious, I guess, but that's just me. I, I kind of want to hear about the science and the facts and that kind of thing. Right, right. And it, I, it did come up. They did talk about that. Like you were saying, there were parts that was kind of like a non-vaxxer situation. Oh, yeah. But I, I watched also because I wanted to hear the science side of it from their point, you know, because these guys are, are certified doctors and yet they're being muzzled. And that's what bothers me more than anything. It's like there's two sides to everything. So then why not let both sides share that? And if you've got 17,000 doctors just in the United States, or maybe it was worldwide, I can't remember, but that's 17,000 people who are, are being discredited. Where it kind of went weird for me, though, was uh, when uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. got up. And uh, he's, uh, I would consider him a hardcore anti-vaxxer for sure. I don't think I saw that part. Oh, boy. <laughs> well... Have you noticed these days, I mean, it's, whether it's politics, whether it's Rona, you know, the Chinese plague, as I call it, <laughs> whether it's that, everybody invokes the Nazis and all this other kind of stuff. It's just so easy to go to. It's like, oh, this is like being in a concentration camp. Right. I've heard so many politicians say that. I'm like, wait a minute. Have you been in a concentration camp? <laughs> How the hell do you know what's going on in a concentration camp if you haven't been there? Right, right. It's it's like people are parroting stuff. And when did we lose the ability to become just human beings and just we've been sucked into this vortex of collective ego and the entire world is is experiencing it right now. And it's just it's bizarre beyond any words. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, he got up there and he was talking about concentration camps and, you know, and Frank hiding and. In addicts, I'm just like, okay, you lost me here, dude. And then uh, I think after the rally was done, his wife was all up in his backside. <laughs> she posted, she posted like, ah, this is not my opinion. You know, got a, got a real old Robert in there. And I thought, I wonder what that dinner conversation was. Yeah, that no night. kidding. <laughs> Bobby, you got to stop invoking all the, uh, you know, the, the COVID craziness. But, uh, but generally I thought it was an interesting rally. It was peaceful and it was not, you know, I, I read a bunch of uh, different posts from news agencies and they're like, oh, these, these, uh, what'd they say? They said these violent anti-vaxxers. Uh, I saw none of that. None. Nothing. There was no arrests. There was nothing. In fact, they were thanking the police for being there and, and all this other kind of stuff. But you think this story would make it on national news? No, and <laughs> it didn't. Crickets. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Not a thing. Nothing was said about it. But yeah, I mean, the, the whole, um, it's this selective reporting on multiple news stations that's just insane. So I, I just turned it all off. Right, right. It was, it was kind of a fluke that I even landed on that. I was at home doing chores and I was kind of flipping through channels. I was like, oh. Well, I'll listen to this for a minute. And like I said, I just wanted to hear the other side. There's there's two sides of science, and why not just let both of them speak out? Yeah. Oh, there you go. You're making sense again. I know. Why do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> so, so dumb. Pick a side, damn it. Pick a I side. I know, right? <laughs> it's crazy because people are just baiting other people to do that. It's like, it's, uh, and I go back to this whole collective ego thing. It's just really weird. And the whole world is doing it. I mean, in Canada right now, we have this huge, huge, uh, you know, overland haulers having, having uh, protests everywhere you go. And even yeah. some truckers from the United States are joining in on it Yep, because they're locked down, completely locked down. Yep. You can't get across the border without a vaccine if you're a trucker. Yeah, it's nuts. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine in New Zealand uh, last night, uh, just, you know, texting her. And uh, she was saying that they're in their houses. They're all of New Zealand. They want to lock them down for 24 days. Oh my, no, 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 no. Hasn't happened yet, but uh, I'm like, how are you dealing with all this? She's like, yeah, what can you do? Well, then you have a captive audience. 
Oh, totally. 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 <laughs> so but where's your media going to go there? I don't know. But uh, we'll take any kind of comments. If you watched the rally or if you didn't watch the rally, like I said, I, I want to get both sides of it as well. But again, again, for the thousandth time, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I don't care one way or the other. I am a person who does not believe in government mandates. Unless it's, uh, you know, unless the Russians or the North Koreans are going to bomb us or something. I don't know. <laughs> Right. And I support exactly what you're saying, too. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I choose what I choose, and that's what it should be. And uh, it's nobody's damn business, honestly. It's not. But I've noticed that I've been getting a bunch of junk mail and emails and texts from the state of Colorado. Because <laughs> you haven't gotten the booster yet. You know, we encourage you. And even the federal government, I got a, uh, I can't remember which agency it was from, but it's like, hey, have you gotten your vaccines? And it's like, it's. It's unbelievable. It's like, that costs a lot of money to send all that garbage out because it's just going to go exactly where I said, in right. the garbage. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, out of control. But uh, hey, uh, it's it's not just the government. Uh, Neil Young jumped on board yesterday. Did you see that? I did. <laughs> he's uh, he's saying that he's going to pull all his music and you know off of uh, Spotify because Joe Rogan is passing out bad information. Uh, well, it wasn't Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan had the platform for scientists to come on there and talk about things. Right. You know, whatever regimen he used to get over COVID uh, worked. And it was his choice. Yeah. And he's not saying you have to do that. You don't have to do that. Yeah. So I, I find it I find it really ironic coming from a guy who wrote a song called Rockin' in the Free World. <laughs> right. To talk about canceling freedom of speech. Exactly. There's some irony here. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of foot-stopping Neil Young songs coming out of here. Oh, there will be. Because of that. <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm a fan of Neil Young. I, I've listened to him all my life. I listened to Crybaby Stills and Ashton Young and you know, showing my age. But uh, And they, you know, they've always been uh, you know, kind of protesters against war and social issues and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, I don't care. I like their music. It's, it's good. But... You know, he's the first one to take a stand. But I also noticed that as soon as he put this impassioned letter online, he took it off again. <laughs> His agent's probably freaking out. It's like, how the hell am I going to make a house payment? Right. What are you doing? <laughs> what? Oh, God. CDC. Hey, they had some bad press. Yeah. Okay. So here I am, a driver of a, I don't know, pickup truck with a trailer. And in said trailer, I have a hundred macaque monkeys. And I'm a uh, transporter for the CDC. What could go wrong, right? <laughs> a dump truck T-bones this thing. And I think it happened in uh, in Danville. Yeah, Danville, Pennsylvania. And a uh, hundred macaque monkeys. And crates are like scattered all over the, the highway. And what does one animal lover do? She goes, I, I thought it was kittens. <laughs> so she walks into this trailer full of macaque monkeys. Now, who knows what the hell they've got? <laughs> Right. This is, yeah. the, this is the CDC. CDC. <laughs> yeah. And they're they're. I don't, I can't remember exactly where they're transporting them to, but it's like, you got a hundred macaque monkeys. Four of them got out. So, yeah, I mean, this is like, this is like a great story for a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, this is like the beginning of King Kong USA kind of thing. I, I don't know. They Another got, outbreak. Yeah. One, <laughs> one looks like Fauci and you know, whatever, but yeah, it's, it's insane. They, they got all four of them back um, as of yesterday, I, I heard, but. But uh, she goes to the doctor and she goes, I think I got pink eye and I'm, I'm kind of coughing and stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, you you walk into a trailer full of macaque monkeys. She's like, yeah, I thought they were kittens or I thought they were cats. <laughs> uh, I would have guessed like immediately when I saw something with a big tail screaming at me that it's not a cat. But uh, yeah, she actually wandered into the trailer and then, yeah, she said, uh, you know, she's got all these other symptoms. I'm just like, oh boy, yikes. Oh, now see, I didn't read all that. I just, I heard about the monkeys, but yeah. oh my God, now what is she carrying? Who knows? <laughs> oh, well, pink eye for one. <laughs> but I, I think, I think, uh, you know, some macaque monkeys generally have, uh, you know, some type of venereal disease anyway. I mean, this is great for, you know, after breakfast talk. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, no way. But uh, anyway, you ran into a story. You see, you've been so diligent. I know. It was only a matter of time. Remember last summer they had uh, phony CDC cards and people were selling cards. Oh, yeah. 
And, we, and yeah. it became a big business. Well, now we got those same grifters and uh, I'll let you tell the story. It was kind of an FBI raid, right? Yeah. So um, actually I brought notes so I get these numbers correct and everything. Lay it on us. Um, so as of yesterday, the FBI and the city of Chicago are starting an investigation into a business known as Center for COVID Control. Okay. Oh, that sounds so official. Doesn't it? It does. And in Chicago of all places. Of, of all places. However, Minnesota is where it started. So the state of Minnesota... Um, is already charging them, uh, filing them with a consumer protection lawsuit against the company's primary lab called Doctors Clinical Laboratory. Another good official title. I know. So at its peak, the Center for COVID Control had 300 locations in 26 states, and they were collecting 80,000 COVID tests a day. That's a lot of money. And there's also an insurance kind of thing in there too. Like they didn't accept anybody's insurance, even major insurance. So they were collecting money. Okay. So um, in an article, I think it was USA Today, kind of broke the story and they interviewed several of the employees and the employees were saying, there's no training. They give you handbooks. Say, hey, read this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. There's no lab quality control. So these tests can sit there in the heat. In the cold, no control whatsoever. You know, they'd be sitting there for hours before a truck comes and picks them up. No control over personal information. Nothing's locked up. Nothing safe. And these guys are getting away with all this stuff. I, I heard a con in L.A. was kind of similar to that. And the guy, they were taking social security numbers from people. If I'm getting a test, like in my car, in the parking lot of, I don't know, Walmart someplace, <laughs> guy says, I need your social security number. It's like, later. Yeah. yeah. No, you don't. You don't. <laughs> so um, as a result, um, a lot of these tests have been uh, inaccurate. And basically, there's a lot of negative test results Imagine that. that are wrong. Oh, boy. So miss that huge population and you've infected more people. You know, I mean, obviously COVID exists. But the real kicker to the whole story is <laughs> this couple that co-owned this company. His name is Akbar. And her name is Aliyah Saeed, have collected $124 million from the federal government. Good old Saeed. And I understand Saeed is uh, quite the car collector as well. He is. Um, So with this $124 million, um, they have recently purchased two Lamborghinis, a 2018 Ford GT. Oh, Lord. And a Ferrari Enzo. And on top of that, they have a $1.36 million home that they were taking pictures of and posting on social media. That's a lot of confidence for that con. And that's how they got busted. <laughs> oh, man. See, I get crap for just being, you know, posting one stupid little defeat the mandates right. thing. It's like, right? Where's the outrage for these people? It's insane. And, That's crazy. And the federal government did nothing to protect the money where it was going. That's right, because they got federal dollars, right? Yes. It was federal money, COVID money. Wow. This is like kind of the uh, California um, unemployment scam. Right. <laughs> you know, $30 million went to people in prison. <laughs> right. Well, of, of course I'm unemployed. <laughs> so I'll follow this and see where it goes, but... I mean, obviously, these guys are going to be in a lot of trouble. Oh, boy, that's a good one. And so it's consumer beware, like you said. Pay attention where you're going to get your test, number one. Well, you know, speaking of tests, I mean, yesterday, Sniffy, they, they pulled all their COVID vaccination and testing regulations that were armed at large businesses. Pulled it. Because I don't think they want to battle with the Supreme Court again. I mean, people are starting to wake up a little bit here. I agree. And again, I'm not saying, I'm not a denier. I'm not saying the disease isn't out there. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, is uh, well, never mind. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's better than what Sniffy's been saying, though, because uh, Sniffy got busted on a hot mic. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I think it was Peter Ducey from Fox asked him, the whole kind of press conference was over and he was still standing at the podium. Which, uh, hey, if you're still standing at the podium, you're fair game as far as I'm concerned. Right. So, you know, they're trying to usher everybody out of the out of the room. The, you, you can see the, the whole thing online. Then uh, Peter Ducey, he was asking if inflation was a political liability. <laughs> and under his breath, Sniffy goes, uh, that's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> and it wasn't like when Fauci was saying what a moron. It was like, right. what a stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, clearly, 
And I'm like, yeah, I was a sniffy. You know, you can re- you can remember to insult somebody on, on a hot mic, but you can't remember that the mic is actually hot. And you've been in office for a year, a year as, as a as president, president. But, you know, a gazillion years, you know, being in, in the Senate and, you know, whatever else he was doing. It's like, how do you not know that, uh, you know, there's a hot mic? I mean, right. it, it, it was just a it, it was one of those things. But it's just like, hey, this is a present you can be proud of. Just. <laughs> Calling journalists sons of the bitches. But the best thing about it was one of the reporters called the president's statement sexist. So was he supposed to say daughter of a bitch? And I can't. Now, this this may be Mountain Inquirer stuff, but that's what was reported on uh, on one of the stations I heard is like, you know, one of the reporters. I mean, they were making light of the whole thing. Apparently what happened was uh, Sniffy called uh, Ducey later and allegedly told him, uh, hey, nothing personal, pal. <laughs> I don't think Peter Ducey even knew what happened. No, he probably didn't. Yeah, they did an interview with him. He's just like, you know, he took it all in stride. He was just like, eh, I didn't even realize it happened until afterwards. And he's like, yeah, not a big deal. But uh, yeah, nice thing to say, especially when we're on the brink of a world conflict. <laughs> yeah. That may make Sniffy a candidate for the Bear Pile this week. I could see that. There's there's no gray area there whatsoever. <laughs> but uh. All right. When we come back, we're going to have a chat with our friend Kim Loddick, the Main Street Manager for the City of Victor. So stick around. You know, moving can be stressful. I know. I've moved 13 times in 20 years and I've lived in four different states. When it finally came time to move back to Colorado, Woodland Park and Taylor County were our target locations. But before I moved back home, I was looking for a real estate broker who understood and had experience with military families and knew the area well. I found Abode Real Estate and Joshua Dorsey. I called Josh right away and it only took 35 days to not only find our forever home, but to close and move into it. Josh understood exactly what we were looking for because he's a common sense person and knows a good deal from a bad one. He'll make every effort to make sure you get the home that you absolutely want and love. As your real estate advisor, Josh will focus on client satisfaction. His business is about service and he's not happy until you're happy. Whether it's finding you a home, finding the best loan, or helping you get the most out of selling your home, Josh is there to guide you. So if you're considering a real estate professional, give Josh a call today at 719-433-4773 or email him at Joshua at csabode.com. That's J-O-S-H-U-A at C-S-A-B-O-D-E.com. I'm confident that you will be completely satisfied. Welcome back to the Bear Cave with Dennis and Michelle. And on the line right now, we have our friend from Victor, Main Street Manager, Kim Loddick. Kim, how are you? Hey, Dennis. I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. But uh, yeah, you were kind of down for the count for a day or two, I guess, right? Yeah, a little bit more than a day or two. I had a day or two of um, feeling really crappy from the plague. Yeah, the old Chinese Uh, plague. The old Chinese plague. Making us out of all of us. I know, right? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been about, uh, man, it's been like a month since I've been up to Victor. So I'm kind of having the whole Victor withdrawals thing. So I, I don't know what's going on up there. What's, uh, what's, what's happening in Victor right now? Yeah. The Victor withdrawal thing. That's a real thing. It's a, it's going to be a really good time to come up to Victor in February. Um, coming up on the fifth Saturday, we have the annual Victor cup, which is a hockey tournament that the Victor penguins organize every year. That's happened February 5th. See, that's kind of a cool thing because uh, my uh, my nephew goes up there and plays every weekend. I, I think it's on Sunday mornings he goes up there and plays. So he was telling me that uh, that there's an older gentleman. I don't know his name, but uh, I guess there's a statue out there to him. And uh, he's he's out there playing him. He's almost 80 years old. What's Do you know about this guy? What's his name? Yeah, that's Brian Hayes, the man, the legend. The, the ice rink is named after him. It's Brian's Park Ice Skating Rink. The statue out front is a really almost hauntingly accurate likeness. <laughs> this <of Brian>. scary. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's scary, but if, if you've ever met Brian Hayes and you see that statue, there's just no question in your mind as to who that statue is of. Well, I, you know, I've, like I say, I've heard good things about him. It's like, hey, maybe we can hook it up and get him on the show sometime. What do you think? That's a great idea, Dennis. And I feel really optimistic that he would be honored and he'd be willing. I'll ask him. I'll talk to him. Yeah, because, you know, when I think of Victor, I don't really think of uh, hockey rinks and things like that. I think, you know, I think of mining towns and history and, 
you know, the older buildings and things like that. And then, you know, I, I've seen the sign, but I, I haven't gone down there. So I, I need a blast down, down there on the 5th. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so many unexpected little treasures in the picture. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, that's pretty hardcore though. I mean, you're almost at 10,000 feet and you're playing outside at sometimes below zero weather. That's, that's, that's hardcore. Really hardcore. Victor Penguins are the most hardcore people probably. Is this kind of a tournament that's going on? What's kind of tell me some more about this. It's, it's very, very intriguing. On the fifth, you know, I'm not sure what teams are coming up. I wish that I would have talked to Coach Travis to coordinate with other teams before our talk today, but I didn't. Um, so I don't know what teams to expect. The Victor Penguins divides into a couple different teams. Um, the original being one of them. The OGs, that's going to be the Brian Hayes, like we talked about earlier, and some of the other other people who are responsible for the um, building the rink in the first place. The Short Bus All-Stars, which is another Victor Penguin sub-team. I like that name. I do, too. The Short Bus All-Stars. <laughs> I think that it is... Um, I think that it's a, it is, what's the word I'm looking for? It is a throwback to when lots of the Victor Penguins were considering skiing and snowboarding as their main cross-training activity. And the Penguins did have a short bus, and a lot of people would get on that bus and go around and do some backcountry shuttle runs with the short bus. And, of course, those, those all-stars who were playing, playing hockey and skating and skiing and snowboarding, they're really well-trained athletes. Who knew, right? I mean, it's just, <laughs> like you say, it's one of those hidden jewels that you don't know about, Victor, and all of a sudden, hey, there's a hockey tournament going on. Well, and this year, something really exciting, the first the first time that I'm aware of in Victor Penguin's history, there's a women's team. It's amazing. For the first time, there's enough women who are playing hockey in Victor to put together a team. We haven't met face-to-face yet, but um, I, I got on your social media page, and I saw you all geared up. It's like, you're a hockey player. <laughs> I, I had no idea. I do. I do strap on skates sometimes. So why not, uh, you know, why not uh, like basketball or volleyball? It's like uh, hockey is the thing that you were into. You've been playing, what, most of your life, right? Yeah, I grew up in Victor, so playing hockey in, in the winter is, a, you know, a tradition for lots of people who grow up as little kids in Victor. So no Barbies? It's just like, give me the stick and the puck, I'm out of here. My brother and I did have some Barbies when I was a kid, and I won't take credit for this idea. It was it was my brother's idea, but <laughs> what we would do with those Barbies is fill them up with ketchup and then go take them out to the, to the woods for target practice. <laughs> Is that too dark? Is that too dark to talk about on the show? Oh, on our show? Are you kidding? No, that's perfect. That's pretty funny. Well, that explains you know, the the hockey. Go get your aggression out. But uh, you know, I, I mean, the Olympics are coming up too, and and uh, I've got to say, I'm, I'm a big fan of women's hockey. I think it's I think it's cool because uh, the American women, being the Canadians a few years back, that was pretty awesome, and, and it seems like they're. They're really a strong team. What's, what's your opinion on that? I haven't followed women's hockey, professional hockey, as much as I would like to, Dennis, so I don't have an opinion except for that. Female hockey players are badass. Oh, no doubt. I think you're right, and, and uh, I'm kind of surprised that uh, there's that many female players in, in Victor. You know, is it a combination of Victor and Cripple Creek, or do the majority of the players come from Victor? The majority of the players come from Victor. I would say, yeah, half. Half of that team is coming from Victor, and that's three. The team is six is six women strong. Oh, I see. Three of us are here in Victor. One lives in Cripple Creek, and a couple travel up from the park or the spring. I mean, that's just too cool. I know. Put on the pads, grab the skates, and, and get up there. And uh, I mean, I'm going to encourage everybody to go up there and watch it. I definitely want to see, you know, come out and see see what's going on up there. But uh, anyway, kind of moving on, what, is, uh, what are the kind of things we got going on in Victor? After the cup, um, the next thing, we're going to have a, a disco on ice <laughs> on February 19th. Uh, okay, run that by me again. Did you just say a disco on ice? A disco on ice, yes, sir. I don't even... <laughs> Olivia Rowland, who is a figure skater and has been for a long time. She opened up a store in downtown Victor called Phantom Canyon Gifts, uh, probably pushing a year ago. She organized a community Christmas figure skating show this past this past December, and it was great. It was really funny, really well well planned. She used community members, kids, and put together a really a really awesome show. I had no idea. Yeah, it was. It kind of came out of nowhere, and she did a really great job bringing people together to pull it off. And so she's the one responsible for planning this disco on ice on February nineteenth. And I expect for it to be as great as that Christmas show was. Maybe if you if you still have like this uh, leisure suit kind of hanging around from forty years ago, it's time to dust it off and put on some skates and come out to that show. Absolutely. 
absolutely. Dust off your leisure suit. This is this is what it's been waiting in your closet for. February nineteenth. I'm just I'm gonna jot this down on the on the uh, Bear Cave calendar because uh, man, I don't even know what to expect on that, but I, I bet it's gonna be cool. I don't know what to expect either, Dennis. But I think it's gonna be cool too. <laughs> is is that a we'll ca- is that a daytime or is it an evening event? What is you know what's the time frame on that? Do you know? I don't know. I don't believe that their first that the first planning meeting has happened yet, but it'll be in the afternoon. I'd say four p.m. Wow! But I would encourage. Check the Victor Main Street Facebook page for updated timing once that's figured out. That's cool. So it's time to get your Donna Summer and Bee Gees on, you know? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Who I, knows? Well, you certainly got my attention with that one. It's like, okay, disco on ice. Oh, when's the last time I saw that? Oh, uh, never. That is amazing. What else is happening up there? Next thing on the calendar is Pearl's Follies. Is coming to the Victor Elks Lodge on March 5th. Are you familiar with Pearl's Follies? I am not. Okay. Well, it's a talent show. It's a community-wide talent show. It's been happening in Cripple Creek for many, many years. I'm not sure when it began. It's, it's of course, a tribute to Pearl DeVere. I know who she is. You do know who she is. Okay, good. That might have to tie into our, our weird history bit once I can pull that together. <laughs> but no, Pearl's Follies um, has always happened, as far as I know, at the, at the Double Eagle Event Center, and that's not available this year. So it's coming over to the Victor Elks Lodge, which is brilliant i think it is a a dinner and talent show wow and and when was that again mm-hmm. you, you say march 5th march 5th if i can just throw in there um <clears throat> this is their number one event to raise money for the old homestead house museum so it's super important to them to get people in there there's usually also a, a silent auction and they have live auction as well. So buy your tickets, get in there, help support the museum. Um, it's always fun, great entertainment, and you might walk away with a really cool auction item. Probably the reason I haven't gone there is because I don't have any talent. You can just sit there, enjoy the cocktails and the dinner and the auction and watch the entertainment. It's it's really a good time. Like I said, it's their number one fundraiser. So I really, really support that. I'm, I'm in. Thank you for saying something, Michelle, because I, I knew that, but not well enough for it to have come to the center of my brain to say. <laughs> You're so still thank foggy. You so much for, You're welcome. <laughs> I haven't been in a couple of years, but let's see. The, the last year I, I did go to Pearl's Follies. Yeah, they had, I'm trying to remember some of the items, some amazing items, art, jewelry, mm-hmm. local artisan stuff. I can't remember, but the really cool auction items. They have certificates for the, the auto garage there in Cripple Creek. They always do uh, different businesses, give out certificates. So it's huge, huge. Who knew? And it's supporting our local businesses and it's bringing awareness as to, to what, what they are, what they're about. Absolutely. And, it, and like, my, like Michelle was saying, it's super fun. It's, it's fun to see which of our community members have these talents. We have some amazing talent in this community. Well, plus that, it gives you an event to get the hell out of the house, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Get out of that basement. And I don't even know. Are, do you know, Michelle, if the tickets are on sale yet? I'm I'm good friends and, and work with a club manager for the Elks Lodge. And so she told me that it was happening, but I don't have any details as to how much tickets are, where people go to buy them, if they're on sale yet. They usually auction off at least a couple of tables the year before. Just go to theoldhomesteadhouse.com. And you can buy okay. tickets online or you can get in touch with Charlotte directly. But they usually start selling tickets as early as possible. I don't remember if they raised the prices this year or not, so I'm not sure what they're going for. Okay. You said that includes a dinner and, and all that kind of stuff? So it's not really a sit-down dinner. It's more like a buffet. Yeah. But it has, mm-hmm. you know, it's got good food. Uh, everybody that's on the board of the museum bring desserts and things like that. So you get plenty of food to eat. And like I said, cocktails, it is a, a paid cash bar, but just to sit there and listen to the entertainment and just kind of mingle with people. It's, it's a great time. Well, the bottom line too, is it's uh it's funding going to a really great cause. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. That's, that's awesome. The last time we talked, there was some construction going up in Victor. And uh, now that the snow has finally hit, how are some of those buildings coming along? Man, December was hilarious in Victor. One, two, three, four roofs got torn off and redone four roofs in Victor in December. Wow. <laughs> I just blew my mind. So that's really good news. Um, among those are the Masonic building, yep. which has some, some very fascinating history. I'm sure of it. I talked to Erica and Chris about that uh, uh, a while back before Christmas. And uh, I was surprised that they were doing that. I was like, man, that is so awesome that you're actually doing that and saving that building. Yeah. 
amazing. I'm really, really excited to see what they want to do with it. It's really exciting. It's been sitting, sitting empty my entire life, and I'm sure a lot of people can say that. Um, also, the Victor Record right next to it, which has always housed was a uh, newspaper company and has housed records. Um, the Fortune Club, the 304 Victor Avenue, which I don't know the name of that building, also is com- is completely getting reworked from I mean, gutted, absolutely completely re- reworked. And then the Gold Camp Bakery. Actually, I, I said four. That's five roofs in December. So that's that's one small testament to what's going on here. Things are happening. Things are happening. That's cool. Yeah, there's a lot of creative, innovative, and collaborative people in yeah. town right now that are that are coming together pretty regularly to talk about event management and planning and talk about volunteers and how we can make it worth people's time to get involved. It's really encouraging. I, I think that's so cool. But uh, all right, well, uh, we're going to have you in, like, like I said, in the next uh, few weeks and uh, talk about some more stuff. And uh Appreciate you coming in and uh, participating in the Bear Cave. It means a lot to us because uh, it's always great to get the people on the ground who really know what's going on instead of me, you know, babbling out of my pie hole about stuff that I read in a newspaper somewhere. It's just like boring. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, Kim. So anyway, we're going to let you go and uh, we're going to talk to you real soon. Okay. Thanks, Kim. Enjoy Thanks, day, Kim. Guys. Thanks so much. All right. That was uh, Kim Loddick, the Victor Main Street manager. And uh, when we get back, it's going to be Trevor Phipps, followed by News of the Weird, and find out who gets thrown on the bear pile this week. So don't go away. By making gradual changes in your life, you can achieve your goals. Perhaps it's a change in your diet, losing a few pounds, or reducing stress in your life. You can always improve your health. Animus Wellbeing practitioners in Woodland Park believe that beauty radiates from within because being healthy is beautiful. No matter what your age, they can help you improve and enjoy a better quality of life. If you want to explore ideas on how to achieve a more mindful and healthier way of life, you've come to the right place. They currently offer nutritional consultations, personal cooking classes, catering, and even guided meditation sessions for both group and individuals. Let them help you achieve a life of optimal well-being. Check them out at Animus Wellbeing. That's A-N-I-M-A-S-W-E-L-L-B-E-I-N-G dot com. Welcome back to the Bear Cave, everyone. And remember, you can listen to us on Spotify, Anchor by Spotify, and Podbean. And right now, we have our field producer and journalist du jour, Trevor Phipps, on the line. Trevor, uh, I'm not going to say what's happening because, uh, man, there was a lot going on last week, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of a busy week all the way around. And uh, I, I feel sorry for you, man, because you got to write all this stuff up. But uh, I, I guess the, the elephant in the room is... Uh, the marathon Woodland Park City Council meeting last week. Yeah, six and a half hours to one thirty in the morning. Wow! And uh, Trevor and I were texting back and forth, and I was telling Michelle, "It's just like, yeah, we always text back and forth." And anyway, it was like, uh, I think it was like nine thirty. I finally punched out, and I said, "You know, I'm outie." And uh, you're like, "Okay, I'll stick around for a while." And then I checked back in at like ten thirty, still going, and eleven thirty, still going. And, and by then, I think you were kind of like in and out of consciousness as well, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I ended up dozing off at like 1245 and then I woke up, had it on, <laughs> woke up at like one and heard them <laughs> extend it till 2 a.m. Oh, man. And I, I think I rolled over and went back to bed. And I was like, <laughs> I kept it recorded. So I found out what happened. Man, by, by then I would have been in my Mickey Mouse jammies with a bowl of cereal or something. It's like, and it's like, I thought about this and you and I were talking the other day too. It's like, man, it's like, this is bear pile material, but it really isn't because I can't, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll let you discuss it. It was, it was so bizarre. I mean, there was good things that came out of it, especially, you know, we had a retirement ceremony and, and that was cool. And then it got into it. and. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but the posts that I've seen, not all of them have been positive, but uh, I don't know. I'll let you kind of wrap it up for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the big things, well, the first big thing was that yeah, Sally Riley retired after 37, almost 37 years. Man, congrats to her. 
that took a while, but she had some people from the community that came and spoke. And then probably the next big thing would be they brought it to a point, Hillary the bar from Mayor Pro Trim to Mayor, that created some arguments between Stephanie Alfieri and Robert Zuluaga. Boy, did it ever. And, you know, I, I got to say, and, uh, and you and I have t- kind of talked about this, I guess it kind of depends on which way you look at it. For me, because I technically live in the county, I kind of go, eh, well, whatever, you know, I, I guess I really don't have much of an opinion because it's like, okay, if she wants to get appointed, that's, you know, that's, that's their business. It's in their charter, I, I guess. But uh, what I did notice was that during this entire banter that was going on between Stephanie Alfieri, uh, the Zulu man and, and everybody else, Madam Mayor looked horribly uncomfortable. And I, I kind of just, I, you know, whenever they had a camera shot at her, I just kind of like, oh man, this is cringeworthy. And I, I, I can't even imagine what's going through her mind, but she seemed very uncomfortable yeah. by the whole thing. Well, I think she was put between a rock and a hard place. Oh, no doubt. Really knew that they were going to try to do that. Yeah. And then they did it before she pulled paperwork to run for mayor. And so I think she felt uncomfortable because she had already pulled a packet to run for mayor. And now they're trying to appoint her mayor, which she didn't know they were trying to do. Because they did it before she pulled the packet to run. <laughs> and that opened a, an entire another can of worms because then Stephanie Alfieri went off on, you know, how this is some kind of, I don't know, play to, you know, make her the mayor before she becomes the mayor. It, it was just, it was just weird. Well, I mean, I think the point that they had, which I think is a pretty valid point, is that basically by appointing people from city council into higher positions right before the election, it could possibly give them an advantage over other candidates because they can call themselves mayor and mayor pro tem as a part of their campaign. Well, at this point, I mean, she's running unopposed and, and uh, I'm guessing that probably is going to change after that meeting. And, uh, you know, I guess we'll find out next week when we, when we come back on and and, uh, figure out who those people are or are not going to be right. Yeah, it should be. The results should be in the last day to turn in packets was Monday. I just have not seen anything posted or had any luck getting a hold of the city yet. Speaking of the uh, getting a hold of the city, poor Suzanne. And I say that in a good way because that woman, I'll tell you what, whatever she's getting paid, you need to double it because she has to hear all this crap from both sides all day long, five days a week, wherever the case may be. And, uh, you know, she just kind of keeps it cool because they were asking her questions that really had nothing to do with her job. And, you know, she just nicely answered back and said, you know, point she had to tell stephanie that she didn't feel comfortable answering the questions that she should be asking rusty neal who right proposed the appointment yeah but uh, anyway shout out to uh suzanne leclerc man you're uh wow. you're, you're good in my book that's for sure well i gotta give a shout out to hillary labar just because she was she is now the first female woodland park mayor in woodland park history been in town since 1891 and never had a female mayor until now. So. Well, congratulations to you, Madam Mayor. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can get her into the barricade before uh, all the voting and stuff gets going on. But uh, there was so much going on. I mean, we don't have enough time in the day to discuss everything that was happening. It seemed like there was a, an ordinate amount of time spent on these ballot questions. And it just like, you know, she had to, Hillary had to reel it in after a while because it, it, it kind of got stuck on some items, right? Yeah. And just, I don't know, it seemed kind of strange to me. I'm not sure why there's so much opposition to just putting a question on the ballot so people can vote yes or no. That's part <laughs> I didn't really understand. But, well, you know, the one that really got me was uh, to tell the truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God on, uh, you know, as part of that charter. And uh, I think we talked a little bit about that last week, too, and that uh, Alfieri and Zulawaga were just like, nope, we're not having any of that. And I'm yeah. like, hey, whatever. I mean, it was just weird. Well, and I think, I think part of the problem was the review committee that proposed those questions. I guess there was only three members that weren't members of city staff or something. That's what one person said in public comment. How does that work? Maybe that they think that the city staff is trying to push questions to the public, but... You, th- you think that somebody's trying to push an agenda, maybe? I think that's what they think. <laughs> that makes sense. That's a, that's a good answer there, fence sitter. <laughs> I don't mean to put you on the spot, but no, I, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, because it's just, uh, uh, the, the other person that seemed kind of uncomfortable was, um, I guess it was the city attorney, right? What was his name? Uh, Jeff Wilson. Yeah. They kept asking him questions like they wanted him to give them an answer. And he's just like, look, you know, you're the city council. You got to figure it out for yourself. All right. So I kind of felt bad for that guy too. But he was part of the process to get those questions on or to 
propose those questions to the council. Right. I think he was, he did a good job of kind of keeping them on track and going, this is something that you have to figure out as a council. It's like, I, I can't tell you what to do, but, yeah. uh, but a- anyway, I, I, mean, was just... I mean, my personal opinion is that they could have just said yes on them all and just put them on the ballot to ask the people what's so wrong with getting, letting the people choose one way or the other. Oh, see, you're just like Michelle. <laughs> you guys are just trying to make common sense of stuff. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> well, I think people can go online and they can probably see all that kind of stuff. And uh, the one thing that I did notice that kept creeping up on social media and some other pages and, you know, we got, I didn't really get any pushback for it yet, but uh, the one thing that I did notice that came up online a lot was the uh, comment that Hillary made during the mayor auditions last year. And that was, you know, if I can't vote for, you know, I'm not going to vote for anybody if I can't vote for myself kind of thing. And uh, I really like to ask her what she meant by that because, uh, yeah, we kind of we kind of had some fun with it and uh, made, made light of it. But uh, man, people are really taking issue with that. So it'd be good to find out, you know, what her, I don't want to say explanation, but uh, what her mindset was when she made that comment. So yeah, maybe we can get her in here and talk to her about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm Definitely not going to try to speak for her. Oh, no, no. I don't, I don't think any, anybody. <laughs> trying to figure out what she meant with that. But yes, it was brought up. Robert Zuluaga actually was the one who brought it up during the council meeting. He yeah. quoted her saying that as part of the reason why he didn't think she should be appointed. I think I might have passed out by then already. And just, uh, you know, because it was... It was definitely the cure for insomnia if you were, you know, trying to listen to all it because there's just so much banter going back and forth. It was just, it was mind blowing. Yeah, I, I really don't even know what ballot questions got put on the ballot and which ones got tabled and which ones were denied just because it was such a long, complicated process. Well, maybe by next week we'll know and we can uh, we can tell our listening audience, you know, what the what those issues actually are because uh, we're trying to get some of the people who are running for council into the bear cave. I know we got David Ott scheduled. Scheduled, uh, sometime in February. So you want to share any numbers with uh, city council people? Let us know because uh, we want to give everybody an open platform, whether you're for or against them. And the one thing I noticed, and you and I kind of talked about this a little bit too, was that it seems like this is almost, uh, I don't know, school board 2.0, because it seems like there are distinct camps that are starting to form. And this is the first community I've lived in where that kind of politics is happening. And it's not unusual because it seems like it's happening all over the United States. Yeah, well, yeah, and it's it's kind of happened around here for a long time between all the municipalities. Well, I'm kind of curious to see what the mindset is behind the candidates that are doing that. I mean, I guess they have like items, but if you're running for city council, you're kind of running as an individual, in my opinion, and yeah. uh, forming alliances... It, it, you know, it almost gets back to, you know, who are you going to vote for sophomore class president kind of thing? It's just, it's, it's odd. With Wickham Park, at least, it wasn't always like that until the last few years. School boards haven't, were never like that until this one. So I, I think it's the political climate in the country that's caused the debauchery at local levels. That's a, that's a big word. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, we, hey, I think you're onto something. Maybe we should do a segment called Woodland Park Debauchery. <laughs> well, and I think I think what really started is, you know, when when Donald Trump came into the political climate nationally and he wasn't a politician and he kind of had a different way of dealing with politics, I guess you could say. I, I noticed that kind of sparked a lot of similar stuff with local municipalities. Yeah, it does. I, I don't know what planet he's from, but I wish he'd go back to it. But that's just me. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I, okay. Let the hate mail fly on that one. Okay, like I say, I, I I try to remain. I'm sarcastic by nature. That's just if you haven't figured that one out yet, then you know you're living. You're not living in the bear cave. But well, but on the positive side, though, there's more interest in elections. Like there was a long time where. I'm not too sure about Cripple Creek, but I know for a fact that Woodland Park, there was a long time where there were city council members and mayors getting elected that had nobody running against them. And that happened for quite a few years. And so the good thing that's come out, of, and then the, the school board was the same way. They hadn't had an election in over 10 years because there wasn't enough people wanting to be on the board. So if anything, it's brought more competition and more candidates. Well, if, if last week's city council meeting was uh, any indication, it's like, man, I want none of that stuff either, man. It's like, so, hey, my hat's off to you if you're running for city council or, or the mayor. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I could do it for free. <laughs> 
I, I couldn't do it for any kind of amount of money. Michelle, you've been kind of oddly quiet back here, just laughing and shaking your head. <laughs> well, I tried to watch. I was hoping they were going to post it. Uh, so I haven't seen it. So I don't know what kind of zoo it was. The fact that it lasts till almost 2 a.m. is absolutely ridiculous in I, I my don't, mind. I don't yeah. think any of us had that much space on our computers to post that, that, that no. lengthy marathon. It, it was kind of crazy, well, though. They could have stopped it at like 11 o'clock and rescheduled it until the next day. Or I mean, Exactly. You can table all of those things and bring them up on another another time but so now you've wasted all the time of your staff I, that's what got me is like yeah. if i was a staff member now you've just paid me overtime there's my tax dollars <laughs> it, it's irresponsible yeah the staff was there from eight o'clock in the morning till two o'clock in the morning and then they had to be back at probably eight o'clock in the morning right right no, so and to I me, talked that's, to them the next day, and they were they were all there. Yeah, oh man, that's irresponsible, and that and that's not that's not a correct thing to do for your staff or to your staff. About ten o'clock, I would have been flying in some pizzas from AJ's or someplace. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, and to me, you shouldn't stack the agenda that full. If you if there's that much items, then go have a meeting every week instead of every two weeks. Right. And reduce the items on the agenda in the first place, knowing that everybody's going to want to talk for hours on everything. But well, like I say, we can we can go way above my pay grade. So. <laughs> you, you you have a pay grade? <laughs> Man, no, not really. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good, though. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, we can re we can hash that all day long. But uh, I think the other item that we were kind of tracking was the whole masking mandate. And uh, that that was another kind of a uh, heated issue and uh you know everybody knows and and like i said it's my opinion only uh, i'm not really for mandates myself but i understand them and i understand that if you're the city manager or if you're a business owner you can do pretty much you know whatever you want you know you have the choice of going in the building or you don't but uh what was the end result because that was kind of heated as well right yeah well yeah that that didn't even get brought up till after midnight oh lord and then there is about five or six people from the public that spoke up after midnight wait a minute they stuck around yeah fight to the end maybe they should be running for council and they stayed there till after midnight to comment on the mask mandates most of them were against the mask mandates but basically in the end hillary labar said that was arguing that the city manager has the right to manage his workplace and that it's not proper for council to write a resolution to tell the city manager what he can and cannot do with his employees and in the end they voted to fail the resolution which in essence, kept the mask mandate in place. Wow. It took uh, six hours to finally get to that one. And uh... But the funny part is, during this whole time, oh nobody was wearing masks in the city council chambers, <laughs> like not even the city attorney, none of the public. Uh, Michael Lawson said that he was going to take the sign off the door <laughs> saying that you had to wear a mask to the public. And, oh, boy. And he even said he's not really enforcing it that much. If, if people really want to go in there without a mask on, he's not going to kick him out of the building. So why write the letter in the first place if you don't, oh, man, pick an apple <laughs> yeah. or an orange, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, none of them call me and consult me and ask me, you know, what I think they should do. Well, maybe they should start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe someday. <laughs> They're probably never, ever going to talk to me, but uh, okay. There is a mask mandate, sort of. Is, yeah. is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I think it was more of a thing. I think he was trying to more protect his employees. I don't really think his goal was to force the public to wear masks when they went in. I think it was more about the employees because he brought up they lost six in one week and then nine in another week. And four of them were police officers. So yeah, fair enough. It's kind of concerned that they keep losing employees, then the city's going to lack on services. And so he needed to try to do something about it. All right. Fair, fair enough. I'm, this is giving me a headache, so we're just going to move <laughs> on. But my God, be a mensch and make your own decisions. All right, Trevor. Well, uh, I owe you a lunch here one of these fine days for all the hard work that you do. And uh, in the meantime, uh, we'll be checking in with you and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Well, you guys have a good day. All right, Trevor. Thanks. You too. All right. That was our journalist du jour and field producer, Trevor Phipps. So interesting things happening here in Teller County. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. And, it, and I do agree. I, I think it's fantastic that people are getting involved. Personally, I agree with you. I couldn't do it. But to give us more options to guide this community the way it should be, I'm all for it. 
Well, I mean, you you were kind of involved a little bit. You had a daughter that was on the city council in Cripple Creek, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was her main goal. She wanted to guide the community in the right direction. That was that was her that was from her heart and soul. <laughs> yeah. So you have a little bit of insight to what's going on and, and uh all the craziness and that's the one thing that still drives me crazy. And it's it's indicative of what's happened in small towns I've lived in. It's like everybody wants to get up in everybody's business. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's like, okay, man, just chill out. It's going to be fine. We're still in the United States. The Russians have not attacked us. So stand down, you know, we're, right. we'll be fine. This too shall pass. Anything to uh, relieve the pain and suffering of the weirdness that's going on in the universe, I suppose. But uh, joke, no joke. That brings us to something more relevant, I suppose. And that is uh, things you didn't know about Colorado. And the, the one I have is the, uh, the happy people of Toonerville. I had no idea there was such a, a, a name, but there's a town apparently named after a, a comic strip. This comes back to that book that I got at the, uh, that place. Outlaw and Lawman's Jail Museum. Yeah, yeah. They got more copies of this thing. You should go pick it up. Anyway, the happy people of Toonerville, a town named for a comic strip. Toonerville still appears in Colorado maps, 22 miles south of Los Animas on State Highway 101. There is hardly anything left of the town which was economically blown away in the Dust Bowl era of the 1930s. According to the historian Perry Eberhardt, the town was originally named Red Rock, and the farmers and ranchers gathered there on weekends with their families to have fun together with baseball games, dances, rodeos, potluck suppers, and sing-alongs. Yeah, sounds like small town stuff, right? They decided that the name of Red Rock did not describe the happy times in those gatherings. I don't know how they came up with that, but uh, whatever. Back when almost all comic strips were still comic, one of the favorites was named the Toonerville Trolley. The characters in it were usually playing funny jokes on one another. The Santa Fe Railroad had a long line uh, going through the town, so the train that came to town was known as the Toonerville Trolley and the people as Toonerville folks. Alas, the devastation of the winds, which blew the good old soil away and destroyed the crops and homes with layers of dust, caused many of the Tunerville people to pack up and move away. There you go. No funny ending there. Never heard of it. <laughs> Tunerville. I guess we got to put that on the map and uh, find out exactly where that place is. But uh, a little weird. But uh, anyway, speaking of weird, it is time for News of the Weird. The headline here is... Uh, bogus dude yeah you know what's coming at the Tabor South Dakota Senior Center a regular game of cards got a little weird on January 4th after players enjoyed some brownies supplied by a mother of a 46 year old Michael Corando it's okay let it out <laughs> can you imagine that happening at the Kiwanis night <laughs> bingo night yeah, no kidding. KTIV TV reported that Coranda an elementary school teacher had recently traveled to, drumroll, yeah, you know, Colorado. Colorado. Yep, exactly. And brought back some THC-infused butter, which he used to make a batch of brownies. Yay! His mother unknowingly shared half the treats with their fellow car players, which resulted in multiple calls to county officials about a possible poisoning. Sheriff's deputies spoke to Corando and took the remaining brownies as evidence, charging him with possession of a controlled substance. He is now scheduled to appear in court on January 25th. Okay, school teachers, elementary <laughs> school teachers, if you're coming to Colorado and you're buying THC butter and making brownies, take them away from your mom. Yes. <laughs> well, I wonder what that that uh, card game was like. It was either one or the other. You know, it's like uh, people got really hungry, but uh, apparently a few of them freaked out. I was going to say freaked out or got lost. In the game. <laughs> at, at, at the senior center. Dropped out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Well, with that being said, it is time for the Bear Pile. Each week, we nominate top subject events and or people who should be tossed on the Bear Pile and eaten by the bears. The person, place, or thing to be thrown on the Bear Pile and eaten by the bears this week is... None other than QAnon spokeshole Michael Protzman for not knowing the difference between the Donald and a dead JFK. Remember that story? Yes. Jeez. There must be weird stuff going on in Texas. I don't know. I don't know. That's a big conspiracy theory. I mean, really? Really? <laughs> <laughs> now it's JFK dressed like Donald Trump. I wonder how Donald felt about that. Wow. Anyway. 
All right, the nominations this week are number one, Sniffy Joe, for forgetting that while he was bagging on a news reporter with colorful language, the mic was hot. And it was on there, Joe. Uh, no offense there, pal. Number two, Neil Young, for forgetting about freedom of speech after writing a song about freedom of speech. Uh, he's Canadian anyway. Right. Canadians are such nice people. And number three, anyone who is running a phony COVID testing lab, give back those Ferraris, the Ford GTs, and those million-dollar houses you acquired through our taxpayer money. <laughs> I hope they go to jail for a long time. I think they will. I think so. <laughs> Stupid people. Well, that's about all we got this week, and I uh, hope you had a good time listening to our banter. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Abode Real Estate and Animus Wellbeing, for coming back with us again this year and this week. They haven't left us yet, in spite of the hate mail. Thanks, uh, as always, to our new co-host, Michelle Roselle, for coming on board, and, of course, our field producer and journalist du jour, Trevor Phipps. As always, if you have an event coming up or you want to become a sponsor of the show, just hit us up on our Facebook page, This Week in the Bear Cave, or the Instagram page with the same name. A reminder, you can also access and listen to us on Spotify, Anchor by Spotify or Podbean, whichever one you choose, or wherever you get your podcast. And as for your hate mail, if you're going to complain about the show, just please listen to it first before you send us our hate mail, and then we can take it. No problem. Next week, our guest is going to be Neil Young. We want to know why he hates freedom of speech so much. I don't know, maybe he doesn't. <laughs> maybe he'll just tear up another letter. Who knows? I don't know. Dirty Andy was scheduled, but uh, he was granted by the Queen, and he's polishing her Land Rover right now. Enjoy it, Andy, because it's probably going to get worse for you, my friend, I'm sure. Until next week, be well, and thanks for listening. Sweet dreams, Sam and Max. This Week in the Bear Cave is produced by Animus Productions, all rights reserved in perpetuity. 